Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, I want to get to it. I want to start preaching. I want to not be real long. <clears throat> okay? I'm just letting you know my intentions. All right? But I really believe that God is sending us a message this morning of how much he loves us. And um, we've been doing a series, and this series has been out with the old and in with the new. And we've talked about a number of things in conjunction with that. Last week, we talked about the old man and kill the man. Because how many know it's hard to be a new man if the old man's still living? And we talked about that old man, that for you and I to experience the promise of the newness that the Father has promised, that we need to be crucified with him. That... The Bible says we need to be buried with him, that we're then raised by him. But what, what happens? What, you know, when, when the seed of the old man gives birth to the new man that God raises, the question I have for you is what or who is that new man? What is it that truly makes him new as opposed to the old? Is it his actions? Is, and certainly how many know our actions change, right? All right. Um, is it the absence of sin? Sure, that's part of it. Is it the presence of righteousness? Sure. There's a part of all that. But I really began to pray about this. I began to think about it. I said, Lord, what would, I, what, would we, what would we say? Who is this new man? What is this new man? And, and here it is. When the old man is crucified and buried with Christ, something happens. That, that what happens is that we have someone that's born, and let that which is born is a son. The new man is a son of God. Now listen to me, ladies, this morning. When I use the word son, it's meant to be interchangeable, okay? So don't get all mad at me and angry at me and all that stuff. If you've got all that, you want to be mad and angry, talk to Troy later. He'll take care of it. But the fact of the matter is the Bible says that you and I, when we come to faith in Jesus that you and I become sons of God. And this is paramount. I'm telling you this morning, if you hear nothing else, you understand this morning how paramount it is that you understand that you're a child of God, that you're a son of God, that you're a daughter of God. Because listen to me, it is that identity that shapes the rest of your life. You have, I'll come back to that in a moment. Let me, let me, let me just get rolling and then we'll see what happens. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the, whole, the new has come. Galatians 6.15 says neither circumcision anything or uncircumcision, but a new creation. Ephesians, Paul says to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. The question is, when I'm born anew from above, who am I or what am I? And the answer to that is, I'm a son. I'm a son of God. A son is born. When a person is crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised to new life by God, a son or a child of God is born. Now think about this for a moment. Here's what the Bible says, all right? But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right. Everybody say right. How many know if you don't receive him, you don't have the right? My rights to become child of God comes as a result of my receiving what Christ did for me. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So I become a son by the work of God, not me. The Bible is very clear of your relationship with God. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter. If you don't get this right, then you'll truly never be right. 
If you don't get it right, you're never going to be right. Because to be right, you've got to start with the right foundation. I could go, like, make all kinds of statements about that, couldn't I? We'll see how clever we can be this morning. Just kidding. Some of you look really, really tired. <laughs> it's okay. You can go home, get a nap. The Eagles don't play till 3 o'clock. Okay. What? 340 or something like that or whatever. Six. Oh, that's right. That's that other team that we don't mention from the somewhere northeast. <laughs> Excuse me while I throw up for a minute. <laughs> yes, it's a bit of jealousy. All right. The Bible is very clear. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of God. We have got to begin. If you don't get this right, you'll always be lacking in your relationship with God. If you don't get this right, you will always be lacking in your Christian experience. You cannot live the fullness of a Christian life without knowing and realizing that you're a son or daughter of God. You just can't. It's impossible. All right? Because you will always forever live according to an old identity rather than a new identity. We've got to begin to think like sons and stop thinking according to the old. When the new man comes, who is now born a son of God, a child of God, we've got to begin to think like a son of God. The old person wasn't a son. The old person was the old man with old desires, an old identity, and old thinking. How many of you would confess this morning that after you got married, some of your thinking changed? Amen. All right. Even if it didn't change, you acted like it did. But some things that changed in you because the two became one. And, and all of a sudden there were some thought processes that changed. You ch- changed some things because you became a husband, because you became a wife. There was a change of thinking that took place. We must begin to think differently in order to fully maximize the desire of the father's heart, which was to have sons. Now, let me go here this morning, okay? Um, why, why am I a son? What, what, how many of you have children? Lots of people. How many of you planned those children? How many of you, they just came? <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, we all know how they came, but some people plan it and some people don't, right? Some people are really like, they got it all organized. They want to have, a, they want to have it at a certain time and a certain time of the year. And I'm going, wow. okay, I'm just not that detailed. I'm just telling you, all right? But the fact of the matter is, some of you planned. How, how many of you would like to have been able to plan, not that you are disgruntled with any of the children that you have, but if you'd have had your choice, you might have said, well, I'm going to have a son first or a daughter first. I'm going to have three sons and, you know, one daughter, because I mean, that, that would be godly. Well, I've had three sisters, <clears throat> okay? But you kind of, if you could have planned it out, right? Well, think about this. The reason that I'm a son, let me give you this point this morning. I'm a son because God wanted sons. I'm a child because God wanted children. You can say this morning, I'm a daughter because God wanted daughters. All right? What does the scripture tell us? Let me tell you a scripture in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said this, that God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ In accordance with his pleasure and will. All right? For he predestined or foreordained us to be sons of God through Jesus Christ. When did he do that? How many know he did this from the beginning of time? Right? In other words, 
before you were ever on the earth, God was thinking of having a son. Before you were ever on the earth, God's desire was to have sons and daughters. That word, he destined before ordained, means he literally marked out beforehand. It's simply a word that expresses the fact that God's plan for his people is from eternity. Listen to me. You are not an accident. Come on. Aren't you glad for that? That God has always wanted sons and daughters. His goal was for all men to become sons. God was thinking of you long before you were thinking of him. Isn't that a great thought? Hmm? He thought of you first. That God was longing for sons and daughters. God planned for sons and daughters. God prepared for sons and daughters. He, from the beginning of creation, planned for the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says that he predestined us for adoption. That adoption means to literally place as a son into a family. To place an adult son into the family. It was God's idea to place us as a son. God chose to place us. I thought it was interesting. Jesus took my place on the cross so God could give me a place among his children. The father's plan involved giving a son to gain sons. The father's plan involved killing a son to birth sons. Jesus took your place because God wanted to give you a place. Jesus took my place because God had a place for me. In other words, God was making a way for you to be placed in his family. He did it according, listen what the scripture says, in accordance with his pleasure. Do you get this this morning? He was so joyed, overjoyed for his pleasure, his kindness, his goodness. It was from that position that he said, I'm going to give my son so I can have sons. He didn't do it begrudgingly. Aren't you glad you don't have a begrudging father? Praise God. It's so good. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to come to some of you Eagles fans' houses tonight. When I see you hooping and hollering and with stupid Eagles, I'm going to say, where's that at in church? <laughs> God wanted sons. God wanted daughters. God wanted children. That those who would believe in Jesus would be placed by him as sons of God. The pleasure and the will of the Father was to give his son to gain sons. If we all start from this foundation, you have no foundation. The greatest foundation you start with in your life is understanding that everything that God did was because God had foreordained from the, uh, foreordained from the beginning of the world that he wanted you and I to be able to be brought into the family, to be adopted into his family as sons and daughters. If you don't begin with that foundation, where are you going to start? Where are you going to start? I'm a son because God wanted sons. Let me give you, now, now i got to start thinking like a son. How many of you this morning think it would be important for you to start thinking like a son? So how do I think like a son? What do I, what do, I do? How do I think? Well, I'm going to give you some things I, I don't think it's a total list. Because had I given you a total list, we would be here up until the Patriots game. Oh, I said that word. I'm not supposed to curse in church. Yes, I'm bitter. Okay. Now listen, I, okay, as a son, I begin to live. There's a certain way I got to think and I got to live. First of all, I live from love, not for love. Would you stop trying to get God's love? Would you stop performing 
to get what he gave and start living from it? How many of you loved your children before they were born? How many loved your children when they were in the womb? Right? How many loved them when they were born? How many know they do a whole lot of things that are irritating when they're born? Right? They mess diapers. They get you up in the middle of the night. They cry. They do all this stuff. Listen, the fact of the matter is they're a little bit of a pain in the butt for the first few days, right? And you love them. And they don't do anything to make you love them. Right? And then you go to the potty training years, which we're at with Liam right now. Can I just say I don't understand this, this generation? Like, like, you know, when we did potty training, you kind of did potty training. You've got a thing and you, you put pants on them and now they run around butt naked while they're, they're, they're potty training. It's like... Can somebody get him a longer shirt, please? I'm crying out loud. Like, I feel like I'm in the garden with Adam. I, I, I don't call him Liam. I call him Adam. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Like, like really? Like, well, if he, if, see, because if you put pants on him, he'll go. Yeah? Okay, anyhow. But see, the fact of the matter is, you love them from before they were even born. God loved you before you were born. He loved you before you were saved. And you've got to get it in your mind, and I've got to get it in my mind, that I'm living from a foundation of love, not a foundation of trying to get love. Stop jumping through the hoops. All right? Listen this morning. This is what I know. I know my father loves me. He loved me before I was his son. I received adoption. I didn't earn it. Adoption is something that he gave me. It wasn't something I bought or paid for. I received adoption, not paid for. An orphan spirit, which a lot of people make a lot about. I don't know much about it, but I'm going to tell you what I think part of it is. An orphan spirit lives to get love rather than living from love. Like, how do I get somebody to love me? Listen to me this morning. There's not a thing you can do. Not one. Not one. I'm telling you there's not one blessed thing you can do to get God to love you more. Nothing. When you were a wretched sinner who didn't know him, he loved you. And he doesn't love you any more today in a safe state than he did in an unsafe state. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't, he's, I mean, he's more pleased with us today. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we've got to transition in our thinking that I am a son who's loved by my father and everything in my life flows from that love. When I spend my life, because what happens is there's a lot of people spending their life looking for somebody to love them. We all want to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. And unfortunately, many people have grown up without love. Mothers and fathers who didn't love them, people who rejected them, husbands and wives who ran out, children who rejected you. You can name it and go on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is we have one place where there's a certain love that will never, ever be taken away from us. And what happens is because we, we lost it, we got, spend our life running after it. But when I spend my life running after God's love, I may actually find myself running from his love. Huh? Think about that for just a moment. The Bible says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. God says, that's my child. That's my son. Yeah, but can you hear this conversation? I could, I could hear the conversation between God and some church people. God says, that's my son. 
Church president says, yeah, but did you know what he did yesterday? Yeah, that's my son. Well, yeah, but, 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 no, no, that's my son. Yeah, but did you, that's my son. I mean, you know, like, we, like, sometimes we like to use the yeah, but stuff. Hmm? Anybody ever had a kid that embarrassed you? <laughs> that did, did something you just wish they wouldn't have done? Maybe put your name in the paper? Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Speaking of that, pray for our friends down at Community Worship Center in Tyrone. They had a little bomb threat this morning. <laughs> Some guy from Brazil somehow did something. They canceled their first service till everything was cleared out. I'm jealous of Keith. I told him that's one I haven't had yet. <laughs> but think about this for a moment. Listen to me. No matter what they did, they're still your son. And you stop. You never stop loving them. There are many people today wondering about the love of God. Does he really love me? Does he love me even when I'm unlovable? Because how many know sometimes we're unlovable? You ever been unlovable at home? Mm-hmm. All right. Does he love me when I fail him? Why would he choose to love me? There's a lot of uncertainty. Listen to me this morning. I don't know how to make it any clearer than what the Bible says. The Bible is very, very clear. He loves you. And so as a son, my thinking has to be, I'm going to live from the position of God's loving me, not trying to get him to love me. And it will save you from the performance trap of life. Because you find yourself thinking you have to perform to get him to love you. And then the question is always there, have I done enough? Second thing we need to think of, our thinking needs to be, I'm a son, not a slave. I'm a son, not a slave. How many people live their Christian life as a slave mentality? Now, I understand the Bible says about becoming a slave to righteousness and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a slave in a negative sense. All right, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The power of slavery is fear, but the power of sonship is love. The power of slavery is fear. First of all, how many of the Bible says we're set free? We're not slaves. As a son, I'm free from the power of sin. Aren't you free from the power of sin? I got good news for you today. You don't have to sin. You sin because you want to. (laughs) I sin because I want to. I sin because it feels good sometimes. Can I get an amen? This side, I'm not sure about that side. (laughs) The the fact of the matter, we, we lie when we say it wasn't pleasurable for a season. There's reasons we do it but we don't have to. The Bible says that we don't have to do it. The Bible says we're being led away from. We're not slaves to sin any longer, okay? Because the spirit of God that lives in me, I don't have to sin. I have power over sin. As a forgiven son, how many know the devil can't make me do it? Hmm? Yeah. Give him the kick. As a forgiven son, I'm free from the bondage of Satan. As a forgiven son, I'm free from the bondage of sin. As a forgiven son, I have the Spirit of God who helps me on a daily basis. And how many know it's pretty important that I cultivate a relationship with the Spirit of God? But as a son, I'm free from the power of human religion. Hmm. As a forgiven son, I am set free from a form of godliness that denies the power of God. I laugh at some of the things we make up as people that we think 
makes us spiritual. Some of that stuff is a stench in God's nostrils. But I don't this and I don't that and I don't eat there and I don't eat here and I don't do that. <sighs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you. As a forgiven son, I'm free from religious exercise that produces more flesh and less spirit. As a forgiven son, listen to me, I am free. I am free from religious exercise that promotes more flesh than it does spirit. I mean, you know, the Pharisees were masters at fleshly activity that was, they were trying to pass off as spiritual exercise. It's about human striving. It's about human effort. It's about being good enough. As a forgiven son, I'm free from the humanistic inventions that focus on me and not God. I mean, I, I, all that stuff, all that legalistic garbage leads us to us and not him. It's about me. It's not about him. As a forgiven son, I'm free from the legalistic attempt to improve on what I received by faith. Church, listen to me. We've got to change our thinking. I'm a son, a forgiven and free son, not a slave. I'm not a slave to sin, and I'm not a slave to religion, and I'm not a slave to human effort to get what God gave me by grace. Paul said this in the Galatians. He said, however, at the time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you've come to know God or rather known by God, how is it that you turn back again, watch this, turn back again to weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear, Paul said, I've labored over you in vain. Like, like he, he comes, he preaches the gospel, they get saved by faith, right? And now they're going back to observing seasons and days and years. Listen to me, church. We start, with the Cal- we start with the cross of Calvary. We get saved, and then we add all this garbage to it. We add a dress code to it. We add a Bible version to it. Wow, if you read this Bible, you read that. Oh, stop it. Bless you. Can, can I, can, can you understand what I'm saying this morning? You are a son. You're not bound to that garbage anymore. Uh, listen, upon Roman adoption... The life and standing of the adopted child changed completely. The adopted son lost all rights in his old family and gained new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out. All debts canceled with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. How many know you're free from the past? You're free from the past. I live from love, not for, not for love. I am a son, not a slave. Here's another one. I'm a, I'm a son. Listen to me. I'm a son, not a sinner. Now, some of you think, well, hey, Pastor, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. That's true. But there's a difference between a son who sins than a, son or who isn't a, than a sinner who isn't a son. There's a difference between a son who sins than a sinner who isn't a son. How many of we all sin? But I'm not a sinner. I'm a son. A son, who's, a son who sins runs to the father, not away from the father, because he knows the father. 
You'll know you're a son when you sin because you'll run to the Father, not away from him. Think about that. A son will always run back to the Father. A sinner who isn't a son runs farther away from the Father because he doesn't know the Father. And Chris, I'm not like me and like trying to put you on the spot this morning, but that's why Chris comes to me and says, can I take communion this morning because I went astray? Hello, the Father says, welcome home. Here you go, eat. Because, well, we got a mentality that we're going to tell them, well, first you got to, you got, listen, there's 72 hoops you got to jump through first. No, there's not. You're a son, you're coming home. I sin, but I'm not a sinner. I'm a son. I sin, but I'm a saint, not a sinner. Not a Bible, how about, I mean, the Bible calls me more of a saint than it does a sinner. The point is, it's not to say it's okay to sin, but rather to know who I am even when I sin. Listen, when you're born again, born anew from above, you become a child of God. Can I tell you, you're not born in, born out, born in, born out, born in, born out. Now, listen to me. I don't believe one saved, always saved, so don't go there either. But you're not born in, born out. Oh, I did this today. I'm out. I did this today. I'm in. I'm out. I'm in. I'm out. You're not a yo-yo on a string. This is important. The enemy uses sin to get us away from the father. The point is the identity of the son takes me further away from being a sinner. If I identify as a son, how many know that identifying as a son will get me farther away from being a sinner than closer to being a sinner? If I live to the identity of being a saint, it should take me further from being a sinner. Hmm? You're a son, not a sinner. I'm a child of mercy, grace, and faith, not wrath. Hmm? I'm a child of mercy, grace, and faith, not wrath. God isn't constantly angry with you. You know that? Can I tell you that God's not constantly angry with you? How many of you live with a constantly angry parent? Don't you raise your hand, Tony. Because it's your mother's birthday. I don't want her to hear you see you doing that today. <laughs> He's not abusive. He's not angry. He's not waiting for you to mess up like some people present him to be. He's not waiting for a moment to pour out his wrath on you. He poured his wrath out on his son on Calvary's cross. He doesn't need to pour it out again on you. We were by nature children of the enemy. His wrath against us was poured out on us. Humanity became children of the devil. I'm not even sure I like the way that a lot of people interpret some of the scriptures that we find. For example, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, it says this. Among them... We too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Children of wrath. So this, and a lot of people interpret this that we were children and objects of God's coming wrath. Yeah, there's a part of that that's true. 
But the rest of the verse talks about how our former life in the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh and the mind, children of wrath, and also talks about how we were children of the prince of the power of the air. You see, because how many know that, first of all, that word wrath means anger and a, different, a lot of different things. But how many know it was the devil who poured out his wrath on humanity because of his anger with God? Yes, thank you. I'm going to talk to this side. <laughs> okay. How many of you know that the enemy, what are you laughing at? You're a Dallas fan. Like you've got something better. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. The enemy came to the garden. When he came to the garden, he tempted Eve, he tempted Eve, he tempted Adam, they fell. The reason he came and he tempted humanity, because how many know he had a beef with God? Because he was angry at God, because he was trying to rebel against God, because he was trying to overthrow God, he comes to his humanity and he pours out his wrath on humanity. How many know we've been experiencing the wrath of the enemy all of our life? And what do we do? What we've done? We've done is we've said, that's God's stuff. No, 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 that's not been God's stuff. That sickness is not from God. That evil is not from God. That garbage is not from God. That was the enemy's wrath poured out on humanity. Then man falls. When man falls, it becomes a sin nature. The sin nature is passed on from one generation to another. How many know you see your sin nature in your children? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that sin nature, all of a sudden, if you live that way, you will experience the wrath of God. But here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make. When you look at what the scripture says, that we were by nature children of wrath, even as rest. But here's two words. But God. But God. Everybody say, but God. Being rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, he made us alive together with Christ. I am not a child of wrath. I am a child of mercy. I am not a child of wrath. I am a child of grace. I am not a child of wrath. I am a child of faith. That's who I am this morning. I'm not walking in fear of my father. Why do you? Why do people run around with this, who are professing to be Christians with this angry, vengeful, wrathful God? You're a son. You're a son. I'm a son with an inheritance. I'm an heir, the Bible says. How many like being an heir? How many wished you had a rich uncle that had $497 billion to leave you? I hope you do too. I hope you're a tither. I'm a son with an inheritance. Hmm. Galatians 4 says, therefore you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Let me read you this again. Under Roman adoption, remember, the life and the standing of the adopted child changed completely. The adopted son lost all the rights of his old family. Come on. When God adopted you, when God adopted me, all the junk from the old life is gone. All those things that belong to the old life are gone. 
and I gained new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out. With all the debts being canceled, with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. The, the giving to anyone the name and place and privileges of a son who was not by birth. What's, what, what are we talking about? That God brought us into the family as adopted sons. When he brought us in as adopted sons, how many know this morning that he didn't just say, well, you're partially a son. And you, you can be a son and you can live in a house, but you have no inheritance. What he said was, I want you to come in. You're a son. And oh, by the way, you get a full inheritance. You're joint heirs with my son, Jesus. Think about an inheritance. What is an inheritance? An inheritance is a gift. It's a gift of love. How many of you are planning to leave your children something? My mother didn't put her hand up. (laughs) Don't you want to leave your children an inheritance as a gift of love because you love them and you're hoping to be able to do that? And and if things work out, praise God, right? It's an inheritance as a gift of love. We create it to give it to those whom we love. God the Father loves us so much. He said, here, not only am I going to adopt you, but I'm going to adopt you and you have an inheritance. And the inheritance I'm going to give you is all of my possessions and all that I have and all of my rights and all of my privileges and all of my identity. You're a son and you're an heir. That's good news. It really is. An inheritance is a gift from his resources, not yours. Praise God. I like getting somebody else's money. God is giving his resources. An inheritance is a gift, listen to me, of trust. I want you to hear something this morning. God the Father says you're a son, and as a son, he gives an inheritance. But how many know an inheritance is something that's entrusted from the Father? It's a sacred trust. What are you laughing at, Karen? Knock it off. <laughs> we created it. And we give it to those we trust. I mean, there's some people you would never trust with an inheritance. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you, if you might have a drug problem or might have had a drug problem, how many of you would have given it up for $3 million? Nobody? Okay. How many say, I'd, I'd give it, if somebody's going to give me $3 million, I'll give up that addiction. Okay. The rest of you are saying, no, I like the addiction better than the $3 million. <laughs> Okay. All right. Hmm. Could explain a lot of things this morning. <laughs> I know a young man that in his life had a $3 million trust fund. But he could not have that trust fund, could he, Frank? Until he was drug-free. And nine rehabs later, he still wasn't drug-free. Why? Because how many know where a $3 million trust fund would have went in the hands of an addicted person? Think about this for just a moment. God wants to entrust you with an inheritance. But could it possibly be that there's a few addictions we need to lay down to be entrusted with it. Hmm? That maybe that addiction to our self, that addiction to our sin, that addiction to our sin nature, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe we just surrender it to God so that we can maximize the inheritance he has for us. I'm a son who has an inheritance, and that inheritance is entrusted to me from the father to be used by the sons for the father's business. Because how many know it was the purpose of the sons to be a revelation of the father? Why did Jesus come to the earth and live on the earth? Why didn't he just come and die? Like, you know, he could just, first of all, how many know he had to overcome sin? Right? But secondly, never underestimate what he was doing in those three years. He was revealing to humanity the Father. The Son was revealing the Father to a broken orphaned humanity. And I might say to you this morning that you and I are made sons of God, not just for our own personal benefit, but so that you and I can be a revelation of the Father to a broken, lost humanity. What do you think? Maybe? I believe one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to get you to forget you're a son. Is to get you to forget that you're a son. I believe one of the greatest schemes is to get you to doubt that you're a child of God. Why do I believe that? Think about this. The tempter came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you're the son of God, perform for me. Sons never have to perform for the father. Sons never have to perform for the Father. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in your hands so that you'll not strike your foot against the stone. If you're the Son of the God, jump through these hoops. If you're the Son of God, perform for me. God never says to you, if you're my son. He says, you are my son. He doesn't create doubt in you. I don't go up to Tony and say, if you're my daughter. She's stuck with me. That was a good time to say amen. Tony. I, I, I did a lot of things in my life that my mother wasn't always happy with. <laughs> Still do. Praise the Lord. But never once did I doubt her love for me. Never once did I doubt her love for me. Not once. Not once. Do you understand this morning what I'm trying to say to you? Is there such confidence and such assurance that comes from knowing that you're a child of God? The new creation, the new man is a new son. A son. A child. He wants to strip you of your sonship because the most dangerous thing in the world right now are true, authentic sons of God. The biggest threat to the devil and his stuff that he does in the world is true, authentic children of God. How do I know that? I think it's an interesting parallel to this. Back in the book of Exodus, whenever the Pharaoh said, oh my goodness, they keep reproducing kids. They keep reproducing, keep reproducing sons. 
Let's kill them so they don't become too powerful. How many know the devil's always trying to kill the reproduction of children of God? The greatest threat to the enemy today are true sons and daughters of the Father. Father, I come this morning, and Lord, I was just taking this message and tried to make sense of it and tried to put some thoughts together. And, and Lord, trying to get us to be challenged with this notion, that this, this principle, this truth that says we're sons. Identity comes from sonship. Mission comes from sonship. Mandate comes from sonship. Confidence comes from sonship. Faith flows from sonship. In this house this morning, for all who believe, they are sons of God. And I come against any lie from the devil that would tell them they're not. I come against any lie of the devil that would try to strip them of their identity as a son of God. I come against any lie from the enemy that would try to rob them of their inheritance as sons and daughters of the Father. Father, I'm praying for you today and this week to move this sermon in the hearts of people from theory to testimony. From theory to testimony. And it can only come from theory to testimony as your spirit makes it real. As you reveal yourself, as you make yourself real. Some are hearing it today and they're hearing it and they understand it to be theory. But Father, I'm praying that you make it truth and truth becomes testimony. May you this week overwhelm, overwhelm men and women with your goodness, overwhelm with your love, overwhelm with your unending love. I want each and every person in this room to be able to walk with the confidence that comes from being a son of God, a child of God. For every child in here to get their identity from being a son. message in this house from beginning to end was how much you loved us.
I got two words to believe you with. There are going to be times that you're going to contemplate this message and the devil's going to come. He's going to begin to bombard you and he's going to bombard you with lies. He's going to tell you about your past. He's going to tell you about your sin. He's going to tell you about all your shortcomings. He's going to tell you all that stuff and you're going to hear it and it's going to bombard you and it's going to bombard you and the voices are going to rage and the voices are going to talk and the voices are going to go and you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. I got two words for you in that moment. Two words that you cry out, the Bible says. You cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Because I'm making you a promise this morning. If you will cry out in your heart, Abba, Father. The Father will come in. And the Father will come in like a flood. I'm telling you, he'll come in this morning and he will silence the voice of the enemy. You know why? Because you're a son. You're a child. Out of your heart, you cry, Abba, Father. I promise you, I promise you, it will silence the voice of the enemy. Father, in this house this morning, I'm asking you this day to birth sons. Some people have converted. They've went from being a sinner to a saint, but they haven't gone from sinner to son. And Father, this morning, birth sons in this house. Out with the old, in with the new. This morning, make a commitment as a son. Out with the old thinking. I'm going to start thinking like a son. I'm going to start walking like a son. I'm going to hold my head up like a son. I'm going to walk with an inheritance like a son. I'm going to reveal the father like a son. Father, this day, my heart's desire my heart's desire is that we would come to the full realization of what it means to be sons and daughters of Abba Father. Come on, Troy, sing something.